My name is Jenna and I'm here to help you do all the hard things. I'm a licensed professional counselor with nearly 10 years of clinical and research experience working with people who have some of the most debilitating OCD and anxiety in the world. I'm also a mom, a personal trainer, and a lover of modern spirituality. My goal is to bring you all the research, guidance, and encouragement you need to help you remember and know how strong you truly are. Now let's get to it. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. All right, you guys, welcome back to another episode of All the Hard Things. I have one of my dear friends here, Colin Strajak. He runs the Modern Day Overthinker podcast. He's also a rapper, a comedian. He has so many awesome different aspects to his story, and I just, I adore him. So uh, he's been dealing with OCD since he was 13. And really just in the past two years, he's gotten really into a better understanding of recovering. Um, He has some other things that he has struggled with and can talk to you guys about today in the podcast. So super excited to have you guys listen to Colin's story and hear some of his feedback. Uh, So Colin, thank you so much for joining us. I'm super excited to have you here. Uh, Why don't you just tell the listeners a little bit about you and your backstory and kind of what your mission is? Yeah, uh, thank you for having me. I appreciate it. Uh, so yeah, I am Colin Strajak, and I uh, have been dealing with OCD, like Jenna said, since I was 13. And it kind of hit me out of nowhere around that age. And I've been uh, dealing with it. And I know I'm going to deal with it for the rest of my life. I've accepted that. Excuse me. And um yeah, I uh, started going to therapy again uh, a few years ago. There's been gaps in my therapy journey throughout the years. So I decided to really focus on my mental health over the last few years. Something that sparked that, uh, which I forgot to mention in my bio uh, when I talked to Jenna was I am in recovery uh, from uh, drugs and alcohol, so I stopped doing that around, or I started my recovery journey in this, it was in May of 2017, so I'm coming up on a anniversary of recovery uh, at the end of the month for, it'll be five years, and uh, I'm I've just been so focused on growth and bettering myself and becoming a better person and being more aware of my mental illness. I also suffer from depression and dealing with that as well as my OCD has been very important to me, especially over the last couple of years. Once I've gotten back into therapy and found a good psychiatrist and uh, I've learned that finding the right person for me and it has been it just has been so important for me in my journey and uh i've learned so much about ocd i also 
run a podcast. Uh, it's called Modern Day Overthinker, where I talk to people about their mental health and just overall just different uh, topics that go less discussed uh, and try to get down to the nitty gritty of things and learn more about people. I love talking to different people and getting to know their backgrounds. And uh, I've been doing that for a few years. And uh, yeah, I also uh, started doing comedy about a year ago, which has been really fun. It's a fun outlet for me. And uh, yeah, I've been doing the rap music stuff on and off for a long time. And that's also really fun. I really like writing. So it's a good challenge for me. And uh, yeah, I continue to grow with that as well. That's awesome. I have so many things, different avenues I would love to go down with you, but I'm curious if you could tell us. There, yeah. yeah, there's so many cool things that we could talk about. So let's go back to when you were a kid, like that 13 year old mm -hmm. Colin. Um, so many of us can kind of look back and remember like the thought that broke our brains or like the moment that our brains broke. I don't think everyone is like that. Um, yeah, I know mine. I'm, I'm curious, like, what was that moment or what was that experience? What were your symptoms like when you were young and how did they kind of transpire over the years? So it all started with one event and it was my, the school I was going to. We just uh, they just built a new playground and they were trying to I don't know if they're doing like a newsletter or what was going on, but. They wanted to get a picture of each class in front of it. I went to a smaller school, so there wasn't a lot of people in my class. And I want to say this was fourth or fifth grade. No, 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 no. Um, this would have been seventh or eighth grade. I always get thrown off. I, I forget what age and what grade uh, I was at the time, but so we were doing a picture in front of the new playground and I remember having one of my first intrusive thoughts and it was basically like telling me to flick off the camera and uh, obviously I did not want to flick off the camera so I was like what is going on here so I started um, you know I immediately went into doing a compulsion without even really knowing I was doing a compulsion and I was like clenching my fists making sure like um my that I wasn't giving any 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 indication that I was trying to flick off the camera and this was before digital pictures so I couldn't see the picture until after it was developed so I went weeks convincing myself that I did flick off the camera well, my OCD convinced me that, and uh, it was just a very fearful time and confusing, and uh, that's when things started getting out of control, and I got really scared that I was going to do something wrong or inappropriate, mainly at school for some reason. Cause that's, I mean, obviously that's where you spend a lot of your time as a kid. Uh, and yeah, so I ended up, uh, going quiet for like a month at school, which is not like me because I was very talkative and goofy class clown kind of guy. So it was really out of character for me. 
And I did that because I didn't want to get in trouble. That was my response to that was my coping mechanism for or my defense mechanism for not getting in trouble. I was like, I can't get in trouble if I don't say anything or do anything. Mm -hmm. So that's kind of how it all started. And that is the perfect depiction of the OCD cycle, right? So we start off with this very kind of normal, um, intrusive thought, which we all experience, right? Um, I've heard other people say who don't have OCD that they're in Walgreens and they think like, what if I just tickled the guy in front of me or whatever, (laughs) right? So like, we all have these thoughts that just kind of come in out of nowhere, but where your brain, because you have these genetic predispositions, because your brain was just stickier at that point for whatever reason, you could tell how you misinterpreted that thought as being significant. Like, whoa, why did I just have that thought about flicking someone off? And then of course, right. It's human nature when you invest in a thought and you take responsibility for a thought like you did. Well, what, what about me? Like, why, why did I just have that thought? Like, am I, am I going to do that? Even though I don't want to, that's scary. Or did I do that? And I don't, yeah, exactly. And then you are saying you did that compulsion, which is kind of clenching your, your fists, making sure that you are like very controlled and not going to lose control of your impulses. But even though that provided that temporary relief, right. It just reinforced everything for next time, which is that few week duration where you're like, oh my gosh, did I clench my fists enough? Did I not remember something accurately? Did I do something else that could have been wrong? Um, So it's just a perfect highlight of how that OCD cycle works in real time. Like you do this compulsion, having the best of intentions, but it just reinforces everything for next time. And it snowballs. You ended up not talking, right? Um, It just snowballs from there. So, so yeah, that's intense. Yeah. That two weeks was just filled with like so much like doubt and anxiety. It was ridiculous. And yeah, nowadays, like I, could have been like because I even talked to my teacher I had a teacher that uh was very helpful helpful during this time she didn't fully understand OCD but she was very uh, she listened to me and was uh very attentive and realized that something was going on and uh uh, yeah we just kind of had to wait for that picture to come out nowadays you can see the picture like right away you know uh so it's like a an old school thing that doesn't even happen anymore that I had to deal with. When it it highlights too, that this actually had nothing to do with you flicking off the camera. It had nothing to do with that picture because it it was just about doubt. It was just about uncertainty. It was about doubt. It was about this fearfulness that you're going to get in trouble and you're not going to be able to handle it. So I'm curious, you mentioned you eventually got to the point where you like stopped talking, Mm -hmm. you know, let's, you got that picture back. You kind of had that momentary relief, I'm assuming like, okay, everything is fine, but not aside, right away. I was going to say, right yeah, aside from like not talking and kind of shutting down, how else did your symptoms transpire as you became like an older adolescent or even like a young adult? So it's basically snowballed into uh harm OCD. Uh, I was very fearful about harming people and, uh, it turned into at at first it was very much so like I don't want to get in trouble at school. I had this there was a uh, I always had this fear of it wasn't necessarily getting in trouble at school and dealing with the consequences at school. It was dealing with the consequences at home. 
uh, I had very pretty, not very like extremely strict parents, but I had strict parents and firm parents uh, that I, you know, didn't want to let down or, uh, you know, I look up to my parents a lot. So, and I didn't want, uh, you know, I didn't want to get punished at home and it wasn't anything like I was getting like abused or anything like that, but it was just like, I, you know, didn't want, it was, it was a huge part of the, it was just a, all avoidance. Like I was just avoiding any type of, uh, any type of situation that would get me in trouble. So I was like, the best way to do that with me, cause I was a smart, I, I was smart. And, uh, you know, I'd always have some witty thing to say, uh, in school. And I was like, and that got me in a lot of trouble. So I was like, the best way I can avoid this is just not to say anything. And then it got into, as I got older, it changed. Uh, OCD has morphed many times uh, in my life as far as to what I was, what I obsess over and what I do compulsions, why I do compulsions. And I kind of switched to harm OCD where I thought like I would be able to, I remember significantly, uh, and this was not long after I started you know, realizing what was wrong and uh, going to see a specialist and actually being diagnosed with OCD. I remember going on a trip with my dad and before the trip, uh, this was not long after, after 9-11. Uh, so I was like extremely scared of flying uh, as most people were at the time. And, uh, but my, I took it to the extreme as I'm going to cause some type of terrorist attack somehow in my mind. And, uh, I thought that I was like, I could like give, I was having like intrusive thoughts about like somehow planning some type of weird terror terrorist attack and like telling people or uh signaling people like that i didn't even know like randomly in public that i wanted them to be a part of this terror attack even though i didn't obviously want any of this to happen uh and so i like up until it actually we actually left and went on the flight and it was one of the toughest flights i've ever had to deal with uh and once i we landed and you know, reach our destination and things. That was a big relief because nothing happened, of course. But the months leading up to that were very intense, very intense because I thought I was going to hurt a lot of people. And uh, I didn't understand, you know, how to deal with it and why I was thinking this way. And it was just very intense. Mm -hmm. I can imagine, especially as a kid, that must have been so isolating and just yeah. feeling like what's wrong with me? Like, uh, uh, just like that there was something wrong with you. Like I, I felt that way in my own childhood a lot. Like what's wrong with me? What's wrong mm. with me? Like, I, like there's something wrong. There's something bad about me. Um, and obviously back then we didn't have the education. We didn't have the resources about OCD. 
So I just mm. feel, I feel for you. That's, that's terrible. And I imagine, you know, you say things like, oh yeah, I got the picture back and I wasn't flicking off the camera. I landed and I didn't end up doing this terrorist attack. So everything was okay. And I wonder, because there were probably some compulsions in there, right? Like there was probably a lot of avoidance before or reassuring yourself or probably oh, yeah. a lot of other compulsions too, you know, it's like you can't, that's not even necessarily kind of an exposure, right? Because it's almost like your brain, whether or not you're conscious of it is kind of like, well, the only reason Colin, you didn't do a terrorist attack was because you were so careful and because you didn't say anything to anybody. So that's what you need to do next time in order to stay safe. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So you can just see how your brain doesn't attribute the fact that you didn't do a, this terrorist attack because that's not you and it's not consistent with your values and it was never going to happen anyway because that's just not who you are and it's not what mm -hmm. you wanted. It attributes the fact that that terrorist attack didn't happen to, well, good thing you didn't say anything to anybody because had you opened your mouth and said what you wanted to say, you would have planned this. So next time we got to make sure that you really don't say anything. We got to make sure that you really avoid everything and isolate yourself even more. Does that feel like it kind of happened? Yeah, it did kind of happen. And with the picture thing, even right away, like when I saw the picture, my mind still tried to convince me that hey, your finger looks like it was kind of lifted up there and there was still some doubt there. So it took me even a little bit after the picture was developed. And I can imagine too, even weird. like, even if you very clearly get that evidence that your hand is clenched mm -hmm. and that you're not doing anything, I, I feel like the knowing doubt, the way that I know doubt on a professional and personal level, like mm -hmm. I'm sure that doubt would just say, well, you wanted to do it. So it's still just as bad, right? Like you wanted to do it or you had that thought. So that's just as bad, right? So it, it's just, it, it totally underlines the fact that with OCD, with doubt, you can never win. The more that you give into these compulsions, it, it totally makes sense. It, it, it makes, it's common sense to think like, oh, the more I check this picture, the more sure I'll be that I wasn't flicking someone off, but yeah, actually I looked the at opposite that picture is true. So, so many times. The opposite is true, right? Like you actually become less confident in your memory. The more that you look at it, it's wild. Yeah. It's just absolutely wild. So you know, you mentioned some other comorbid difficulties that you struggled with, which I want to highlight because it's so integral to your experience, but I'm sure so many other people struggle with it as well. Um, I'm always curious, like when it comes to comorbid OCD or anxiety and uh, substance use disorders, I'm always curious, like what came first, the chicken or the egg? Like, are you, you know, is it the drinking that happened first and then the OCD and anxiety or did the OCD and anxiety kind of just drive you so nuts that you like had to cope with substances like what was your experience and when did that start to be a difficulty for you uh so the OCD definitely came first for sure hey I didn't get into any type of substances until I mean it wasn't long after uh because uh shortly after I was diagnosed with OCD and you know started having the these you know symptoms for lack of a better way to put it of OCD I started drinking in high school right before around 15 so just a couple of years later my sophomore year of high school I started drinking mainly socially like as like a way to you know I'm a people pleaser and wanted to fit in and type of thing uh and you know i thought that was the cool thing to do and whatever 
pretty normal uh, high school type of stuff. Uh, and throughout high school, it, it didn't what's it didn't really affect my my life too much. I mean, I had certain instances where you know I eventually got caught by my parents drinking and. You know, I wasn't drinking every day. It was more like, you know, on the weekends and we'd have parties at my friend's, my friend's house because his dad worked the swing shift. So he was never, he wasn't there at night. So we'd throw big parties there and stuff like that. But uh, it didn't start to, and I wasn't really drinking at that point to avoid anything. Uh, I was doing it like most people at age to have fun and you know fit in and uh be cool or whatever it was um so that wasn't really i wasn't trying to self-medicate at that time i didn't really start self-medicating until i was in my early 20s uh when it that's when it started to get bad and then it kind of just kept getting worse after that until until i was 27 when i decided like uh this is enough i've had enough of all this uh, I needed to do something different. And, you know, I was on medication for anxiety and depression for many, many years, but I never knew if it actually was working because I was, you know, abusing other substances. So I was like, I, for a variety of reasons, I was like, I need to focus on, uh, on myself and focus on my mental health and I can't focus on my mental health if I'm completely um if I'm self-medicating and I had to stop and it took uh took a lot uh for me to do that because you know people there were other people in my life that kind of told me that I had a problem and I didn't accept it. And it wasn't until I say this to people all the time, like it, it's not going to be something that you can really do. You cannot really give up and give up substances and recover until you actually want to. No one else can do it for you or force you or, as much as they encourage you, you have to want to do it. Otherwise it's not going to work. When I think probably so many people listening, you know, obviously most of them are going to be struggling with OCD or anxiety to some degree. I say the same thing about OCD and anxiety. Like I have to put in the work. Yeah. Like I work with parents sometimes and they always say like, how do I get my child to stop doing this? How do I get my you know, loved one to stop doing this. And it's like, you, you can't like, that's the frustrating thing yeah. about all of this is you can't make anybody do anything. You can't nope. like make a horse drink water that you, you can let the person know how great it is to drink water. You can show them how wonderful the water is, but at the end of the day, like they have to want it themselves. And so I guess like what advice would you give or like what kind of insider feedback would you give to someone out there? Who's not there yet? Like they're kind of, you know, contemplative, I guess is what we would say. Like what, what do, what do you think they need to get to that point? Uh, some people need to experience more pain. I Uh, kind of agree. (laughs) That's the, that's the very blunt way to put it. But, 
other people, it's really just being open-minded and uh, willing to try something different because that's the biggest fear is like, you know, if I give up all the, if I give up, you know, typically with a lot of people, it's usually one substance that takes them over the edge or, um, or, you know, or they have some type of coping mechanism they don't want to let go, whether it's drugs or not. Uh, and there's that fear of like, if I stop doing this, are things going to get better or are they going to get worse? They may get worse before they get better, but overall it's, it's the right thing to do. And um, yeah, it's tough to talk to people who aren't ready. It's tough to know the right things to say, but usually I just listen and uh, try to ask questions about, you know, how they feel and where they're at and meeting them where they're at. And, you know, I can't force anyone like you were saying to, to change or to do something different. They have to really want to, and they have to put in the work. And that is scary because some people just want to wake up one day and feel better. And it doesn't work that way. I've often said that one of my favorite go-to self-care routines is to get my nails done. But if you're like me, then you just can't justify salon prices or the harshness that these bring to your nails. Olive in June allows you to get the salon quality manicures and pedicures at home. You can easily go up to seven days without chipping, you don't have to leave the house, and you can finally stop spending $35 or more every two weeks on getting them done. For $10 off your first order, Head to my website at www.jennaoverbaugh.com and click on deals. Yeah, I still, um, I still go to therapy. Uh, I'm, we switched it recently. It was once a week. I've been switching it to every other week just because it just made more sense to me. Uh, Cause like I said, I've, I've, you know, things have gotten better, but they're not exactly where I want them to be. So there's still things to work on. Mm -hmm. And uh, I think there'll always be things to work on. I don't think I'm ever going to be fully cured of OCD, but I am going to be able to live with it and, you know, function as close to normal as possible is my goal really. Right. And I, and with you on that, I don't think that anyone, you know, we can definitely work on getting rid of the disorder part of OCD, right? The obsessive compulsive yeah. disorder. We can work on getting rid of the D, which is the, the disorder. We can work on making sure that it doesn't interfere with your day-to-day -day living. We can make sure that it doesn't cause you the significant distress like it normally did. We can make sure that it doesn't take up too much time, but we're always going to have those obsessions. We're always going to have some compulsions. We, mm -hmm. we do as humans, it's human nature to have these scary thoughts every once in a while. Um, and so, yeah, I think that's really important for people to know. And I guess like, what has been your experience? You've been in other types of therapy, but you're in exposure and response prevention therapy. Now, what has been your experience of it? Kind of when you first started to now that you're at the point where you're doing sessions every other week, that's amazing. Yeah. I mean, at, at first I was kind of 
I did more talk therapy, which is helpful, but it's not the it's not the uh, the best way to go about handling OCD. You can only get so far doing that and talking about your experience and getting feedback from your therapist. You have to you have to go into doing exposures and you know really putting yourself in those vulnerable positions where you know it's going where you really have to deal with your anxiety and deal with your intrusive thoughts and accept them so that way when you do have them later they you can recognize the thought and let it pass and not give it to give it so much attention because that's what happens uh with that's what i've learned Basically, it's just been a big learning experience for me with uh, with therapy since I've been, you know, working with a specialist who really understands this. And uh, yeah, I've been on, I've been doing the no CD thing for, hasn't been a year yet, I would say probably nine months. And, uh, it, it's just been, you know, before I was in therapy, I'd never really have like homework to do and things like that to do outside of the sessions. And that's helped me a lot. Uh, I fall short sometimes and don't do my homework. And my therapist is, um, she's, she's super cool, but she will, uh, she will call me out on it, which is good. And I need that. I need to be held accountable. Because if I'm not putting in the work, I'm not going to get better is mm-hmm. what it boils down to. Yeah. And um, yeah, just less avoidance is what I've learned. Uh, I don't avoid situations that are going to cause more intrusive thoughts like I used to. Uh, I actually purposely try to put myself in those places now. It's awesome. And it's... uh yeah, it's not something I was prepared to do a couple of years ago. I would avoid situations where I knew I would have more, more intrusive thoughts at all costs. Right. Well, that's so amazing. And it's really cool. I think for anyone who's done exposure and response prevention to look back like years from when they started and, and to be able to see like, whoa, I would have never done that. I would have never done that. That's incredible. But you're right. It's, you have to do the work. You have to do the assignments outside of your therapy sessions. You yep. can't just get through this and recover from this by talking about it. You need to give your brain new experiences and you get those experiences by putting yourself in opportunities where you might feel scared opportunities where you feel like in your case, you might get in trouble or you might say something or whatever you have to have those and be seeking out those new opportunities. That's so important. Um, you mentioned that since doing therapy this time around, you learned so much about OCD in general, Mm -hmm. what's something that you learned about OCD that after having it for so many years, you didn't realize. I guess learning about the, the doubt and how much doubt plays into OCD. I kind of knew that, but I didn't really realize how much that is a part of the disorder. And 
you know, I've even heard people talk about it, like being the, the doubt disease or the doubt disorder. And that makes a lot of sense to me. I never looked at it that way. And um, also just being able to kind of compartmentalize those intrusive thoughts and separate those from reality. Uh, I've been way better at doing that than I ever have been. And uh, being able to realize, hey, that's not really you talking. It's like there's an there's another person talking to me, but it's my OCD, but it's in my own voice, so it's very confusing. And I have to realize that, you know, I have I'm basically living with a with a bully who wants to take me out, and that's kind of how I've been able to depict OCD and uh I that's and it took me a while to get to that point and therapy has helped me get there basically that's awesome so incredibly inspiring oh my gosh so many different things I guess I'm curious a couple more questions before we wrap up how how does OCD show up in your life now like as you are making your world so much bigger you're doing these comedy shows you're working full-time you are you know, hanging out with friends, you're, you're rapping. Like, it seems like you've made your world from what you've, you've mentioned in your childhood, you've made your world so big and so expansive. And I always say as, as your world gets bigger, OCD tends to get smaller. So what are still some ways, if you don't mind sharing that OCD still comes up every once in a while? Yeah. So the reason I do a lot of these things, well, I love doing all those things that you just mentioned. But the reason I do a lot of things is I want to stay busy. When I'm not busy and when I'm by myself, that is when OCD creeps in. When I'm with other people and around other people, I have that. And I don't think this is even the healthiest way to look at it, but I kind of have this like underlying shame to do compulsions in front of people. I don't want people to notice that I'm doing compulsions and think I'm weird and then have to explain why I'm doing them. And uh, so it doesn't come up as much. Uh, or if I have an intrusive thought like around other people, I can easily get past it. But when I'm by myself, I'm like, my OCD is like, you're by yourself. No one's going to see you do this compulsion, you know, uh, and this will make it better. And, uh, so I deal with it more when I'm by myself and it's still the harm OCD. I still think like my biggest thing lately is like, I think I'm going to harm somebody if it could show up in uh, a variety of different ways. Uh, it's shown up in uh, which is harder to talk about because people don't really talk about it that much, but uh it shows up in like um, in like sexual ways, like where I have thoughts about people I do not want to, uh, I would not want to have sex with or have any type of relations with. And uh, I have that fear um, where I'm going to like, it come, kind of comes back to that original, not original, but like one of my first intrusive thoughts where I think I'm going to send some type of signal to someone 
uh, indicating that I am, uh, you know, interested or trying to, you know, do something wrong or do something bad to them. And it can show up. And when it gets scary is when that, you know, when it's somebody that's underage, uh, Mm -hmm. that's what, that's what it tries. That's what it focuses on. Um, because that's like, you know, being in being that type of person in society and that's there's just like it's basically my OCD has found like the worst thing that it could find and uh stuck on that and uh it's been a tough one that I've been dealing with for a long time and OCD finds what you can't accept uncertainty about and that's what it is like i mean that's yeah ocd finds what you are unwilling to accept uncertainty about and yeah so for like you, for example what it is yeah yeah like for example like uh say i um i see so i like say i see a younger a younger girl for example and say i see her and she's you know clearly a pretty girl, whatever, somebody could easily just acknowledge that and get past it. Me, my mind goes, Oh, you thought that. So you're a monster and you want to do all you're like this terrible person. And you can't just accept the fact that, you know, someone can be, you know, someone can be pretty and you don't have to be sexually attracted to them. Mm-hmm. But my mind goes, Oh, you're sexually attracted to them now. Cause you thought that. And right. you, and it's just like a vicious, like bully that tries to attack me. And um, yeah, it's uh, that's been a tough one, but we're we're working on it. I've been doing a lot of different things with my therapist is to approach that and to accept those intrusive thoughts um, as bad and, you know, kind of gross that they can be. Uh, but realizing, you know my values at the end of the day and you know what I you know how I feel and how I uh my moral compass and you know recognizing that being different from what my mind is trying to trick me into and just being able to accept those weird thoughts and not giving them power basically exactly exactly and I I'm so appreciative of you going there. I know like I struggled with sexual intrusive thoughts with my son. Um, anytime. Yeah. It's tough to talk about because most people don't understand it, but we, it's one of the most common ones. Like it's one of the most common manifestations. It's very, it's a very conventional subtype. It's very common, but we just don't talk about it. And so I'm always willing to like throw myself under the bus judge it, whatever. I had sexual intrusive thoughts about my son, even to this day, he's four. And anytime that I I no longer really need to do it for him, but I have to ask him to make sure, but like, it was always pushing his penis down in his diaper. So he didn't peel over himself. Even this morning, I'm helping him get dressed for school. And I always have to check to make sure, like, did you tuck your penis down? And I, I have still this this intrusive thought that comes in, like, did you really need to ask that? Did you really need to ask that? Were you just curious? Um, yeah, yeah. It's, it's like, it's, it, it's hard. It's really hard. And 
the reality is, is that we don't, I mean, it gives me chills. Like I have such a visceral reaction to it, but that's what makes us different, right? That because we do have that visceral reaction, we don't like that thought. But even as I'm thinking it right now, my intrusive doubt is like, do you really not like that thought? <laughs> like, are you just saying this to put on a good show in front of you? Like, it's just doubt, man. Like it's just doubt, doubt and it will come up in whatever form you're not willing to tolerate it. So it says way more about your values then it says about what you want, right? Like we are the least likely people to actually engage in this stuff because we don't want it. Like we're so far on the opposite end of the spectrum, but it's important to talk about. We have to talk about it because I guarantee there are going to be so many people who listen to this and they're like, oh my God, oh my God. Like no one's ever told me that before. This is the first time that I'm hearing about it. I didn't know that that was OCD. Yeah. And, and I it just changed my thing, their life. My thing is like, I, I care so I care a lot about other people and that's where it comes from is like, right. I don't, I don't want to hurt anyone else. I don't want to cause harm or trauma to anyone else. And I will go out of my way. Like I used to go out of my way to avoid situations where I was, I was around uh, people that I knew I would have those thoughts about. And uh, that's not a way I want to live. And it even got to a point where like when I was, in my 20s i am uh, 32 now but when i was in my 20s i was like i can't have kids i right. it just I, I it's not possible because i will lose my mind uh and i will mess this kid up or i will not be a good parent because of this mm -hmm. and i have changed my outlook on that and it's been uh relieving it and i've been able to put myself in positions where I'm and I've even talked to one of my friends about it who um you know she uh has has a daughter and uh I'm able to hang out with her and her daughter and she knows she understands my OCD and I've been able to explain it to her and uh you know I've been able to enjoy those uh that time with uh, her and her daughter and her daughter likes having me around and like seeing me and um, I don't want to take that away from her just because I occasionally have these horrible thoughts or fears of me harming her uh, when I obviously don't want to. So, right. Well, I'm so proud of you. I'm so glad that we got to go there. It's really important that we go there. I was on the fence about talking about it. I know, I, I know. It, so. I'm always on the fence too. Like if you could see me right now, you could see probably during that whole conversation, like I probably like scrunched up and like, I probably wasn't oh, yeah. like looking at the camera. Like it's just, it's weird what our bodies and what our brains will do. It's very, it's, it's wild, but. Well, the right people are going to be hearing this. So I, that's why I'm, that's why I'm sharing it because uh, yeah, my you know, my biggest fear uh, with sharing stuff like this is like, I don't want somebody to take it the wrong way and be like, oh, well, since he has his thoughts, I don't want him to be around my kids or be around my family or be around, be around me because of, he's having these thoughts. But anyone who's, you know, educated enough or if somebody or, or the people that, you know, have had these type of thoughts, uh, it's either going to help them or help them understand at least you know, what goes on and that's, and how it's not something that, you know, is a part of my value system. It's just 
you know, a part of this disorder and it's a very nasty disorder and it's very, um, yeah, it can try to break. It's, it's almost broken me many times, but I just like refuse to let that happen. Mm -hmm. It's like this aggressive competition. Like, no, yeah, it's a challenge right now. It's like, no, not today. You have to bring it. You have to bring that attitude. So that's the perfect segue into what is my final question. As we wrap up, we've talked about all the difficulty that you've had with OCD. You are in a treatment right now. You have made the elective decision, not just like when you started therapy, but like every day you make these decisions to face your fears. You make the decisions to not do your compulsions. Mm -hmm. Why is it so important to do hard things? It is very important because on the other side of doing those difficult things is growth is the easiest way to put that. You're going to come out on the other side as a stronger person for going through that tough situation. I mean, that's the easiest way to put it, to be honest with you. I could talk about that for a while, but that's like the best way for me to put it is just like. There is light at the end of the tunnel. You may not be able to see it, but once you go through that tough experience, you're going to come out of it just a better version of yourself and have more awareness that, than you've ever had before. Totally. I totally, totally agree. Um, so thank you so much, Colin. I love, I could talk to you all day. Um, where can people find more about you and all the awesome things that you do? So there is the best, well, that's the thing. I'm, I'm, I'm such a social media nerd. Um, I'm all over the place. So the best way to find the, I've been doing a lot of podcast stuff lately uh, with Modern Day Overthinker. So on moderndayoverthinker.com, you'll find all the links that you need. I'll even put the links to my I need to add my personal links. I have a link tree for like myself uh, and like my comedy pages and, you know, music and stuff like that. So I'll try to just put it all on moderndayoverthinker.com. Most of the stuff's there. That's what I'm trying to get people to, uh, to visit and to listen to the podcast. I also have some, I'm working on a page on my site or a post, I should say that has resources for online therapy because there's a lot of people that I've talked to that are trying to get into therapy, but they're having issues because there's, you know, they're having to wait and, you know, they're going like they're taking the, you know, the, which I consider an old school approach and trying to find a therapist in person when you can find one online very easily. Now there's a lot of resources and I kind of gathered and I'm probably going to continually add more resources on there to find online therapy because it's really saved me and uh because i had to switch therapists and uh i didn't have to but i chose to switch therapists and i didn't want to wait multiple months so that's why well i wanted to focus on ocd anyway so that's why i went with you know using no cd but even before that i saw a therapist very quickly by finding them online and you know I was able there's a website that I link in that post that you can you know search for therapists in network that visit people online 
and uh, you can usually get in to see them within like a week rather than waiting two months, which is ridiculous. So, yeah, moderndayoverthinker.com, that website is going to have all the information that you need about what I'm doing and uh, about me and where to find me and all that good stuff. For more information and resources, head to my website at www.jennaoverbaugh.com. From there, you can sign up for my email newsletter so you can make sure that you are the most up-to-date about upcoming resources, podcast episodes, blogs, challenges, and more. Also, check me out on Instagram at jenna.overbaugh and tune into some other episodes here while you're at it. As always, if you have a free minute, it would mean the world to me if you could please subscribe and rate this podcast. Subscriptions and ratings help me keep the podcast going and help me spread the word to other people who need these resources and they otherwise may not get them. With that said, thank you guys so much for tuning in. I really love creating these episodes for you. And until next time, keep doing all the hard things.